And we are... Fuck. Alright, damn it. And... We are... Recording. Water droplets on my... My magic mouse pad, where the fuck apples... Overpriced mouse pad is. I don't care, I like it. It's dope. Um... Guess had to cancel. Family emergency. No worries. We'll make it work. We'll make it fucking work. Uh, Sunday, September 11th, RIP. 2022 at 3.06 p.m. Eastern Time. Shout out to episode 77 with Tony Tedeschi. Uh, 9-11 first responder, firefighter, EMT, and cop. But I believe he was in the role of firefighter that day. It's a great episode. Tony is a wonderful American and a wonderful person. And shout out, Tony. Love you. And RIP to all the innocent victims of that day. And I guess all the ones. Not I guess, but all the victims in the subsequent wars. Both foreign and domestic. Well, I have no solar ramp planned. I've got tums in my mouth. And, uh, I don't know. I got an episode at four. So I got 53 minutes to shit out an episode. Dance, monkey. All right. All right. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Good talk. I'm, I'm kind of seizing up right now. I've was kind of hoping I was going to have something to talk about. Kind of drawn a little blank. This isn't good. Or maybe it is good. All right. Cracked my knuckles, I suppose. Man, I found a, I found a fucking episode of uh, Dale Comstock on YouTube. Some dude did an episode with Dale However many months ago. I mean, who doesn't? Dale's the most interesting man in the world. And it was like a 15-minute episode, and it's, it was Dale's first Delta mission at a, to rescue Kurt Muse from that uh, that prison, from Modelo Prison in Panama. Operation, was it Acid Gambit or Urgent Fury? Is it Urgent Fury or Acid Gambit? Gothic Serpent was Mogadishu. Huh, I don't, I don't remember. Um... I mean, it's a fucking great story. But the episode's been up for eight months and it's got 250,000 views. I've never gotten 250,000 views from Dale and I've had him on 30 times. The fuck? I mean, I mowed nothing. I just... I don't even know what I'm doing wrong. I don't want to fucking go back to the whole views and suppression because it's, it's a thing and it's very pertinent to me, but it's not interesting. And... Unless I want to further reduce my views organically by not being interesting, I should probably shut the fuck up about it. Um, I just finished up for like the 10th time Operation Paperclip by Annie Jacobson. One of my favorite books, probably top five up there with Raven Rock. Um, uh, and uh, Skunk Works by Ben Rich. Some other goodies. Um... There's some other goodies, but um, it's such a good book, 
And you, it has to start begging the question of who else have we brought over? I was thinking about that. Like, well, one, what you see is like the naked face of, of the pursuit of global power. And it wasn't just, I always had this, I guess, unfounded idea that was sheerly based on like kind of your cold detached, like CIA official in Washington who's like the war is over in my mind. It's like the KGB official from uh, HBO's Chernobyl. I just imagine being like the war's over, like don't get caught up in nationalism. Like we need the Nazis because they have their 20 years ahead of us with, with wind tunnels and, and hypergolic rockets. But now that I've listened to the book for, I mean, probably close to the 10th time, I started to pick, I guess I really never noticed before, just how much of it was generals and not even just like desk generals, like active saw their men ripped to pieces in Europe and the Pacific, which I guess would, at first it's shocking, but then, and then you, of course, of, of course it would be them. It would be the ones that saw it, right? It would be the ones that saw what happened and how we can't let it happen again. And have the only way to prevent that is to have overwhelming force. But so it's not to go into Operation Paperclip because I have a million times before. Um, and then there's a little lesser known. Uh, I don't know if it was the official name, but it's Operation Rice Paperclip. I think that's what George Webb calls it. I don't know if that's the official name or if there even was an official name. But it's how we brought back the uh, the medical doctors from uh, or the medical I guess demons from Unit 731. In Manchuria, I think it was Harbin, the Row Building, RHO, um, where they would operate for an experiment on Maruto, Marutos. They called them logs. They didn't call them people, just like the Nazis just, you know, give them a number. They just called them logs. Also, a bunch of American POWs. We brought them back, and this it was the same idea. And uh, Jocko Willink, actually, that's how I learned about it. it. Has a really good episode about it. I forget what episode, but it's just just. YouTube, Jocko, Unit 731. Uh, and even he kind of gets to the end of it. He's like, at the end, it's national security. And as much as national security is kind of an eye-rolling term, it's also it's what saves the biggest number of lives. And if we have these weapons, we have these bio-agents. God, fuck this microphone stand. Does it never stay? Come on. Um. Yeah, what saves the serious number of lives by lives by having all these bio agents? Um. But I guess my mind always kind of stopped there. I was like, yeah, you got to bring them over to beat the Soviets. But like, why would it have stopped there? If anything, it would mean that a precedent was set that we would do it for everything. And if you're going to, right, you kind of like, like the greatest force projection is an intercontinental ballistic missile. Right, it's it's stored underground in a nuclear hardened bunker in the middle of the United States. It goes Mach twenty three. It can shoot a shotgun of independent of multiple independent reentry vehicles, MIRVs, each one, you know, a hundred plus times stronger than the than the ones or I think they're more maybe they're closer to like ten times stronger than the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. One missile, Mach 20, Mach 23, it has a, 
has diversions, has like balloons and fake fake nukes because in orbit there's no air resistance, so they just travel along. And they can hit multiple different targets. Coming in almost straight down at terminal velocity, not terminal, yeah, at that at what reentry speeds. You can't stop it. And that's just one. Everything under that is a lesser step. Now, great. You also have the, you know, B2 Spirit launched ones and then SLBMs from submarines, which are kind of a, another, you know, insane leg of MAD, mutual assured destruction, another leg of the triad of MAD. Even if the country's dead, they can just surface three months later and rape your country. Um, everything under that, you know, so that's kind of like the upper limits of force projection. And not because we've limited ourselves, but that's just, that's what we've deemed the upper limits. You can use bigger uh, thermonuclear warheads, but it, at a certain point, it is more efficient and more deadly to use smaller ones. There was no, the idea that like, well, we didn't want to build one that was 50 megatons like the Russians. No, it's not. We could dress it up that way and be like, we were never that crazy. But no, it, the only reason we didn't do it is because we just determined that uh, it wasn't as valuable. It was harder to deliver and get more. There's actually a funny, I say funny, but it's right after they detonated Tsar Bomba, the Soviet Union. So it would have been, what, I don't know, 62, 63. And there's a, there's a magazine article and like a graphic. And it's about, I mean, you can just, you get, once you kind of like remove the veil from your eyes, you start to see like, oh, the military industrial complex just run shit forever, including all media. That's just a psyop. But like, it's this, uh, I don't even know where you'd find it, but it's this, it's like this graphic from like a time magazine or something. Right. And it, it shows, it's like a, it's like a, you know, like a map of whatever, like Russia or United States or just or some random landmass, maybe just Europe or something. And it has like Tsar Bomba exploding 57 megatons, 58 megatons. And it's got like your, your, your fireball radius, your uh, like instant incineration radius, your shockwave knocking over buildings radius, your third degree burn radius, and then like your radioactivity fallout radius. And it's it's like, you know, it's an impressive 58 megatons, ain't nothing to sneeze at. And then under it is the same map. But what it is is it's um it's the United St- it's the United States force projection. And so there's multiple smaller, like five to nine megaton warheads. Um it might be five, right? So let's just, for example, say we'll just call, we'll say it's an even 50 for Tsar Bomba. What they do is they show what, what 10 five megaton bombs does. So still a 50 megaton net explosive raping of your country. And it shows them spread out. And because uh, explosions are what cube squared, it's volumetric. So it's going out. So it's, it has reduced because eventually you do punch through the atmosphere and then you're throwing explosive force into the void of space and you're not getting anything done. Um, so it shows that five or ten, ten individual five megaton warheads is actually far more devastating than one 50 megaton warhead. It's like you actually like the, the fucking math shows like, no, you can cover. I don't know what the exact the exact. Thing. But it's almost like you can basically do twice as much damage in terms of effective damage, because you can only you can only turn the hypo center of the explosion and in, in you can only rape it to death so much, 
I mean, once like the X-ray burst has gone off and it's 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit and and you just turn like it's the point of detonation into glass and then you vaporize everything. Like you can only vape. To what extent will you do the further vaporization of? Right. Whether you put a 12 gauge to my forehead or a 50 cal. I mean, at a certain point, it's like, what are we doing? And so then the next thing you have to look at is like, what's the extensive explosion going at radially? But even then, like how big is the target? At a certain point, you're wiping out the entire city. And if there's no suburbs, you know, like Atlanta or something, or certain, that's a bad example. But I don't know, maybe something like Valdosta, Georgia, or onto college. Like once you go outside the city limits, it very quickly just turns to farm. Are you going to waste a nuclear warhead how much more energy, how much more of that precious and rich nuclear fuel are you going to waste on incinerating corn? So, and seeing as you're going after military targets and industrial targets, you, there's, and not only that, if you just use one, it's you're putting all your eggs in one basket. You hope the fucking thing gets through. Once it is through, that greatly, I would imagine, diminishes the window for secondary attacks because at this point you're at thermonuclear war and it's over. So using this sort of shotgun approach, it's actually far, far, far more efficient um, to use uh, multiple smaller ones. Where the fuck did I get on this from? Oh, yeah. Uh, upper limits. So it's not that like we drew a line and said that was too far. No, we were just like, yo, we can just kill you better this way. You know, it's not that we drew a line at. You know, they were worried about Curtis LeMay and its firebombing campaigns in mainland uh, mainland Japan because we weren't going to have an untouched city to use the nuclear weapon on. So they didn't pull. I always just like to imagine Curtis LeMay is just like a pit bull bear. They didn't like pull him back because it was too much. They're like, no, we just want to fuck him to death in a different way. So it was really an unnecessary clarification to say that. Yeah, so that's like the upper limits of force projection. All that being said, on a side note, we actually did develop two other weapons uh, or two, I guess, test vehicles, test delivery vehicles. It was, um, um, what was the first one? It was, um, the uh, B BTF big test vehicle, no big, big test. Know, BTV big test vehicle, I think that's what it was called. Um, pull it up right now. Um, and this was declassified, I want to say in like the 90s. Uh, BT, I think it was BTV big test vehicle, which was supposed to carry a one a 50 to 100 megaton warhead. So, everything I just said. Oh, back to the magazine article. So it was kind of funny. It's like, so when you look at it this way, the Soviets actually aren't stronger than us. We can like rape them to death. And it was just like a very, ah, of course, just like another Sunday in the Cold War, like light reading. Um, Papa, are we going to be taken out by the Soviets? No, son, listen, there's, you know, one nuke can only go so far. Just imagine like a, a dad, sort of like a, a madman dad in like the 50s and 60s, just like, showing his kid with, like, marbles and Jenga blocks how we can turn more Soviets to glass than they can to us. All that being said, we did develop, the, I think it's BTV, the big test vehicle, which was supposed to carry a 50 to 100 megaton bomb. 
and it would have been airdropped. And then we actually developed another thing called the flashback, which was so large it couldn't fit into the the inside the B-52. So it had a an aerodynamic casing because roughly 50% of it, if you sliced it down the center, not like in half, but from top to bottom, 50% of it actually protruded from the the B-52. And so it had to be aerodynamic. It actually just looks like an extension of the fuselage. And that was, I want to say it was declassified in like the 90s, maybe even later. But that was uh, for 50, or that was for 100 megatons and up. So everything I just said is kind of voided because at the end of the day, we still just wanted it. You know, boys will be boys. We, 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 we could, we, we could use, we could use, you know, area and to show that five, 10, five megaton bombs were more lethal than one 50 megaton bomb. But at the end of the day, logic is fake and gay. It's the cold war and you want a bigger stick. The point of all of that is those are the upper limits, right? That I guess we've imposed on ourselves, whatever the fuck. Everything else under that is a more conventional, whether it's tactical nuke, Tomahawk missiles, cruise missiles, whether it's us invading a country with Abrams tanks and APCs and strikers and whatever, whether it's us just having air bases nearby like Okinawa or Ramstein, or whether it's us funding, you know, openly like Ukraine and Taiwan, giving them javelins and stingers and Carl Gustavs. And then you, even more, you could say covert. We're, we're probably funding covert. We always are. Operation Sycamore Timber in the early 20 teens was us funding what would become ISIS. Where have we seen that before? Right? Mujahideen in the 70s, a big new Brzezinski. But they're all kind of these lower and lower tiers because we've established the upper one, right? You could even say farther. I mean, Ed Teller wanted a 10 gigaton bomb, 10,000 megatons, 10 million kilotons. That uh, it was called the backyard bomb because you would just detonate it in the United States and it would kill Russia. It would also kill us, but um, you know, whatever. And then uh, I think Kissinger wanted to put them on like oil tankers or cargo ships and just like float them in into a bay and just detonate them there. But so once we've established that, like we're willing to do that, everything under it is a a more scaled down, you're kind of pulling back on the acceleration or whatever whatever you want to call it, but we're still willing to use it, right? And then under that, of course, is just once you get below covert san- covert funding and then I guess the next highest level would be like outward sanctions, calling them a terrorist state, restricting travel to there, and then down, 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 all the way to where it's just, you know, rhetoric at Capitol Hill. But once you've established that upper ceiling, both literally and metaphorically, of a of a thermonuclear warhead from orbit, everything else is on the table because you've established that you are willing to use that and thus everything under that. So the point of that whole fucking schizophrenic rant was, so if we're willing, before World War II is even over, Greatest greatest war the world's ever seen, right? 85 million dead, including civilians. Greatest loss of life. No, actually, I think we lost more in Korea. We lost 425,000 soldiers. Greatest loss of life ever, right? We, I think we deployed 8 million, maybe 13 million. I don't remember. And before the war is almost... Before, so, greatest war ever, on one hand. 
and before the war is even over. On the other hand, it's not like it's 30 years later and let bygones be bygones. Greatest war ever, and before the war is even over, we're willing to bring back Nazis. And then I think it was after Jap- the uh, Japanese surrendered. I think that's when we took the Unit 731 guys up, but I'm not, I'm a little more on shaky ground with that. That's the upper limit of what we're willing to do or what we have done before. You know, maybe the maybe the thermonuclear weapons from orbit would be a little less intimidating if we hadn't already fucking done it to Japan. You know, it was like, hold my beer. So, but we've already done that. So everything under that, like Abrams tanks or fighter jets or Delta teams or covert funding or open funding or sanctions is on the table. So let's walk that out. What, what, and I'm not, I'd actually don't, know nearly as much about Korea as I should. And by that, I mean, I know next to nothing about it, right? North Korea invaded South Korea in 1950. Truman thought it was, Truman's daughter said that he thought it was the outset of World War III. All right. MacArthur was fired because he wanted to carpet nuke it. Based. But I don't know enough about it to comment on it, so I'm not going to. Right? I wouldn't say that bringing over Soviet scientists is as shocking and uh, salacious as bringing over Nazis just because we were actively in the Cold War with them. So, of course, you want defectors. Yet you want the worst of the worst. You want defectors. So I don't think that really that really I don't think it's really in the same arena of discussion. But. But so let's so what else would it be? Would it be Vietnam? Would we have brought back Viet Cong? You know, maybe teach at our guerrilla warfare schools? Like what to do? Because right, we had fallback. I don't forget what they But uh, Vince Hufton talks about it. Dr. Vince Hufton talks about it in his book, uh, Nuking the Moon and Other Cold War Ideas That Stayed on the Drawing Board. And uh, there were stay-behind units that we had, I believe, all over the East and West Coast. But... Uh, the ones he illuminates are the one, uh, the ones in Alaska, where they were trained by like Green Berets or SF or whatever the fuck. I think it was before SF was at, so maybe like the fifties. We started training them. They had uh, I want to say there was like maybe a few hundred of them, and they had basically license to kill from the U.S. government. It was all highly classified. It's in the event of a a Russian and or Chinese invasion of Alaska, they were to stay behind. Because these guys knew how to live off the land. They didn't need airdrops. They didn't need, they didn't, they know how to fucking do everything. They, you know, they know how to fish and they all built like Dick Prennicky. They all built their own cabins. They knew how to live in negative 80 degrees Fahrenheit and you fucking shoot bears. And they all, you know, knew how to treat their own wounds and how to be super cautious because you can't get a broken wood in the middle, a broken leg in the middle of uh, Alaska. They all knew the territory. They knew how to communicate. Um, they knew the townspeople, they knew the, the, the terrain, both like physically and I guess culturally. And I don't know the exact number, but I'll just call it a thousand. It was probably a lot more, but the idea is you were stay behind units. Um, the U S might, you know, we might go in and give them some weapons. You know, if it really got bad, maybe we, I don't know. And, I, and I'm a little rusty on, I don't know if they had like, if they had buried like weapon caches or, if they would airdrop them or something. 
but it's the idea that they were completely invaded and Alaska was turned into like a denied territory. These guys would stay up there just as natives, you know, and if they were ever questioned, they'd be like, I don't even know. I don't even know we're at war. Like, I'm just a hunter, whatever. And even like gain trust of like the Russians and Chinese, if I'm remembering correctly, I might just be filling it in. I don't know. Fuck off. But then kind of like SF, they would then find other people who had stayed behind, you know, just too old to leave or they just didn't give a shit or it was just, you know, like uh, Wolverines, just, you know, they didn't give a fuck. Uh, and they were to train like domestic, uh, like Indige, just like Dale in Afghanistan, have our own quote unquote Indige to fight the Soviets. And it was to bleed them dry and it was to try to remain as like anonymous as possible to not make it look like we were present. It was understood that you were probably going to be caught and killed, but you know, fuck off America. And, uh, yeah, carte blanche from the U S government, like in the event that the war ended, like you wouldn't be tried for any war crimes. It was like, just go wild, use psychological warfare, disrupt, uh, make them like quintuple down on resources for convoys because they didn't know which ones were going to be ambushed, make them drain resources, make them just sink it manpower and metal and ammunition. Um, so we had those like fall behind things. How the fuck did I get on this? God damn it. Uh, So I guess that would be Vietnam. I, I'm not, I'm just really winging this episode. I'm sorry. Um, Vietnam guerrilla warfare. So I don't know, maybe, oh, that yeah. So yeah, why would you want to teach guerrilla warfare? Well, one, you would want to teach how the natives of a less advanced nation, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, you probably want someone from there to teach our operators how to fight the less advanced force. But then also vice versa, because there's not a nation that's more advanced than us. We have near peer competitors, Russia, China, kind of Iran, maybe India and Pakistan soon enough. But would there ever be a truly superior nation? And no, unless you thought about stay behind units like Alaska or wherever else they are, which are probably still classified. So I don't know, maybe you'd bring back, maybe you'd bring back Viet Cong fighters who had like personally killed a hundred, you know, Marines. You know, they used to cut their necks, cut their dicks off, and put them in their mouth. The Japanese would do that. They kind of a page out of nineteen eighty four. They 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 put their heads in cages with rats and just have them eat them, eat their face alive. Uh, all all sorts of horrible shit. Yeah, I would say we probably brought back Viet Cong, uh, definitively. Again, because if we're willing to bring back Doctor Bloma and Arthur Rudolph and Werner von Braun. And fucking Rein, was it Reinhard Galen? Who were the other guys? Otto Ambrose. And the Unit 731 guys who made the Nazis look like they had at least had some morals. Yeah. We would have absolutely brought back the worst of the worst Viet Cong. Not only to teach us how to suppress an indigenous force, but how to become the indigenous force. Right. One of the first things that happened after Mike Durant was returned to, uh, I guess, the that U.N. compound was Delta came up to him. And we're like, what did you see? How many were there? Because we want to go back out there. This is just fucking badass. Um, but then he went back to uh, the that was it Seer camp, S.E.R.E. Is that the where you get interrogated? And that's where they had the the teacher they called the bearded one who would teach you how not to get, like, caught and all that stuff. That was, like, one of the first things he did. It was, like, recover, fix his bones and back and all his other, like, lacerations. And then, like, they wouldn't 
put them like straight into steer camp and they're like, how do we adapt and adopt these things and make our program better? So yeah, we had a hundred percent take back Viet Cong. I mean, you wouldn't really want to capture them because I feel like they wouldn't give you anything. You'd probably want, you'd have defectors. I'm sure there are tons of defectors probably that I'm just ignorant of. It's not even the class or it's not even classified, but I would imagine we probably bought back some like generals, some, and in form, probably gave them nice homes and they lived on air bases or SF bases or had, you know, prestigious jobs. That's probably what happened. Right? Sure, we did it with a ton of Soviets, which, again, but it's defector. I don't, that doesn't really, in my mind, it's not really the same. We probably, we probably, it's so recent. We probably have so many fucking Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS people in the United States. And I don't even mean that some from some pearl-clutching, you know, they took their jobs, you know, they're Muslims. Not even that. I mean, in the sense of Operation Paperclip. We probably have so many right now. Because it's not the biggest war ever. And it's not while the war's still going on. And if we did that, we would do everything under it. If we're willing to nuke you from orbit, we're also willing to ship a crate of AKs. So we probably right now have a ton of them, not just to betray their own people. How do we fight against the guerrilla forces? But probably for stay-behind units. We're probably using them to train Ukrainians. We're probably doing that right now in Taiwan. That's 100% what we're doing. Why would it have stopped? Yeah. And like paper, like Paperclip, you could never, you could never bring it up. You could never acknowledge it. If we, because if we have ISIS members that have on video slowly decapitated GIs, yeah, that's kind of a, it's kind of a spicy, you know, that's kind of a, a hot potato you don't want to touch. But it was probably approved by guys who saw their own men killed that way. And the idea is if remove emotion, look at it logically, this will prevent it happening more. Right? That's what it would have to be. Yeah, I'm sure we have Chinese defectors. Again, I kind of put that into the field of the Soviet Union because we're in a Cold War. So, of course, you're going to have defectors. But we probably also have guys that we kind of gave no other choice. I mean, look how intertwined the Wuhan BSL-4 or whatever the fuck it is, is with the United States. Like, uh, I'm sure they're here. I'm sure they're here. I mean, let's extrapolate further. I bet our torture programs from nine eleven from twenty one years ago today forward were probably greatly inspired by like the Viet Cong. I does that this it stands to reason that that's exactly what we would do. And I'm not making, like, I'm not going a step further and saying, like, 
because we did X, we're willing to do Y in the sense that because we're willing to nuke you from orbit, we're also willing to drop a super, you know, a 10 gigaton nuke from orbit. Well, no, because we've never done that before and the weapon systems, to my knowledge, don't exist. I'm establishing, like, the ceiling and saying if we're willing to do that, and we have done it before, nuking Hiroshima and Nagasaki, then we would do everything under it. I'm not making a step past it. You know, I'm saying because we've done Y, we're willing to do X, but I'm not necessarily, at least not in this solar rant, saying that we're willing to do Z, which would be one past it. I'm just looking at what we have done, what we're willing to do, and what we publicly acknowledge we've done, and then say below it, what would we do? We probably, probably Viet Cong helped us develop the torture programs that we used in the global war on terror, still using. And we're probably using Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Taliban. What are, the, what are the other terrorist groups? Boko Haram, Hezbollah. We're probably using those. Yeah. Why wouldn't we? And not only as insurgents. Not only as insurgents, so we know how to fuck them. But how to fight as the insurgents, like I said about the state behind units, we're, we're probably using that in Ukraine and Taiwan right now. Huh. Because there's this, like, like, some things you kind of don't want to explore. You know, like, all the, all the, all the, uh, the Manhattan Project scientists like didn't want the the H bomb built. I think it was I I was I I Ravi was that his name the physicist I I Ravi and Enrico Fermi. They they call I don't remember who it was, but one of them called the the H bomb an evil thing. Oppenheimer just wasn't allowed on it because he had come to f- fucking Truman's office so many times just queasy and, and saying I have blood on my hands and Truman's like I have blood on my hands get the fuck out of here and even Truman didn't want to build it but his question was can the Soviets do it and they said yeah well, probably within like eight years and our logic was well then we have to do it if we just sit on our hands and say I don't want this to be true that doesn't make it untrue especially because it's physics it's not some classified cultural secret, some political secret that you can just hide and burn the burn the memo and then it's effectively gone. It's physics. You'll they'll learn it. You can learn it in a different solar system. It's just physics. So that's kind of like the uni one of the unique things about like nuclear weapons is it's it's not it's not secret. It's it's physics. Learn enough physics and you'll put the pieces together. But we went ahead and built it anyway. The Beardlot Project. No, no, sorry. Beardlot Project was Raven Rock. Campbell. Campbell this Campbell as in soup. Soup as in super. Super as in the super bomb. And there's, there's really not I guess Rhodes, Richard Rhodes kind of covers it, covers it well. There's really not like a, it's not as well known because apparently it had like 10 times the funding of the Manhattan Project and like 
three or four times as many employees working on it. So like a 400% increase in an, an employees and a thousand percent increase in funding. Like, yeah, the most I know about it is dark sun by Richard Rhodes. Maybe I need to re-listen to it. I'm pretty sure that one goes more into just like the science of it and how we figured it out. Right. John von Neumann and generation calculations and ENIAC and maniac and all that stuff. Um, But yeah, just because we didn't want to build didn't mean we didn't do it. We still went ahead and did it. And that was kind of the justification for Paperclip was, uh, was it with JOA? I forget what it stands for. There was like a committee that met in like 45 or 46 and said that like the war will probably end in this year, 45. And after that, they're already looking ahead. Like while we are still in the Pacific, we're already looking ahead at what happens after. And it's like, it's going to be us and the Soviets kind of in a bipolar world. And the Soviets, we predicted we're going to go amass forces and sort of recover for seven years. That's the timeline. I don't know where they came up with that, but I would imagine they're a little more well-suited to, but it was predicted by 1952. The Soviets would be out for total, total world domination. Spoiler alert, that's our fucking job. But, George Carlin. But that was our fear with that. Um, I think that was also invoked, Unit 731. Like, like, listen, this shit's disgusting, but they already have it. All the people that they operated on, though it's terrible and though they're victims, they're dead now. The results do exist, you know, however many pages, whatever, um, hundred thousand pages of, of data if anything you kind of are and this is i mean this is a, i don't know how much i'm justifying this i'm you know kind of a weird working it out of my own mind but you are kind of letting them die in vain by not using that especially if it's to prevent another world war where something like this happened in the first place like a unit 731 arose it's twisted logic, but I mean, who else better to decide that than the people who saw it firsthand? Fuck if I know. I don't know. Um, so whether it's V2 rockets, despite all the innocent people that were killed in Nordhausen, or or all the or all the, the innocent Manchurians and, and Americans that were killed in Manchuria at in Harbin or whatever the fuck it was, wherever the fuck it was. It's kind of in vain, which is a dangerous precedent because now, you know, the conclusion from all of this is if you read history and you're in a foreign nation and you're in a, you know, whatever, you're in some Iranian program doing maybe less than ethical research. All you got to do is read one of these, listen to one of these books on Audible and go, yo, if I'm going to do bad shit, I should be the absolute worst. Because if you're only kind of the worst, you get hung at Nuremberg. But if you're the absolute worst you get a house in Martha's Vineyard working for the Air Force. So you're kind of, you know, you're creating the market, right? That's that's the entire, I mean, aside from the fact that they're all demons and should be burned to death, but that's also the argument of like, if someone views child porn, it's like, well, no, by viewing it and purchasing it, you're creating a market for it. 
and also I, you should just be weaned out of the gene pool, but you're creating a demand for it, right? It's like people always say, if we want Grand Theft Auto 6, stop buying DLC for Grand Theft Auto 5. And I started playing Grand Theft Auto 5 online like a month and a half ago. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's a fucking fun game. The grind is miserable, and they do milk you out of money, but I mean, I get it. Um, fingernail sticking out. Um, so that's kind of a dangerous precedent, but also, I guess if you're at the end of a world war, are you going to be some cuck that's going, this is a dangerous precedent. All I'm saying is, is we are not creating a market for evil, but you're sitting there staring at bodies in Dachau, and you're going, I'll shoot you next. Yeah, we're bringing over all these Nazis. We're making sure this never happens again. Which, yeah, sure, is sort of a, a, a sort of a, a lowbrow, like, America. I get it. But I've also never been in that area. It's very easy to kind of use those, like, emotional blanket statements to bulldoze your opponent in an argument. But I also have that when I'm very blunt and overdramatic when I have friends who I think are maybe dipping down into depression. On one hand, sure, I'm using like a dramatic argument. I'm like, you don't know what it's like to bury a brother. But at the same hand, on the other hand, it's like, you actually don't know. And I, I do. And I see the absolute and utter destruction it wreaks on your mind and your family and by the grace of God, our family stay together, but also, and then the secondary and tertiary effects, how I treat people, what I've done to people and how bad I was to people and how it ripples out. You act, so, so, and then like, so, and then we set up uh, these, these chemical plants. One was, I think called the Rocky mountain arsenal. And I don't remember what the other one was, um, we started developing sarin gas because we discovered tabin gas uh, before the war was even over. Uh, Germany was done for, Hitler is gone. But we had gone in Operation Alsace, I think, was, uh, what were the, uh, uh, we had all these teams, like executive this and something that, and we were, it was us and like the British, and we were all kind of like divvying up Germany, and we had to get all the good stuff before the Soviets got there. I don't remember. I just finished the book for the 10th time. Um, but we went in and we found tab and gas, which are on shelves with like three yellow lines painted on them. And we carefully took them apart. We had like a mobile chemical lab and brought them in, used rabbits. Rabbits didn't even need to inhale it. You could just put it on the skin and they die like instantly. And then they did whatever the equation was to find out how many milligrams you need of this to kill kilograms of living tissue. It was far more dangerous than anything even in World War One. And we brought back Otto Ambrose, the chemist, and... From there, I, don't, I forget the... I just finished this book. Jesus, maybe the concussion is still wreaking havoc. But we then we discovered sarin gas. And sarin was even more lethal than tabin. And sarin was later used in uh, that Japanese subway. Um, was it, I think it was Japan. Um, like decades later. So we started developing sarin gas. And we started producing it 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Warheads, artillery shells aerosolized canisters released from subs, planes, missiles, whatever. And then the only reason we stopped that is because we then discovered, and I don't know if it was the Nazi scientists that discovered it or whatever, but 
we then discovered VX gas, which was like 10,000 times more lethal. So we stopped developing sarin and then immediately started developing VX gas seven hours a day, 24 hours, seven, seven days, fuck, seven days a week, 24 hours, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And then under Nixon, we, we destroyed all of it and it cost like $2 billion. I think we did it out in like an island in the Pacific because some of the shells were already leaking and we got rid of them all. But I also kind of don't fucking believe that at all. Like I do get like the salt and the the strategic strategic arm limitation treaties, and we are going to kill ourselves. But go fuck yourself. We got rid of them. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not present in Taiwan. If. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Yeah. No. And 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 we're we're in Ukraine because we we want to uphold democracy. We went to Iraq because we want to live. Oh fuck off. There's a bigger picture because we're bleeding Russia dry. That's what it is. Um, so I don't, the idea that we got rid of VX gas, go fuck yourself. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. I mean, Ken, Dr. Ken Albeck, who's been on this podcast before, the first deputy director of uh, Soviet Biopreparat, their bioweapons program, which they promised they got rid of. No, wait, sorry. sorry. Sarin and Tabin, Sarin and VX gas are chemical gases. Right? Was it? ABC, atomic, biological, and chemical. So atomic is just A-bombs. Chemical is tab and sarin VX. Biological was what, uh, some of what uh, Germany was doing, but primarily that was Unit 731. Um, some, I think Dr. Bloma was doing it in Germany, but I think primarily that was Unit 731. Could be wrong on that. We brought back Dr. Count. Well, not brought back. He defected in 92, which how he defected, I think it's still classified. Probably should be. But it was whenever we had allegedly destroyed our, our sarin and VX gas supplies, the Soviets had as well. And then we also stopped our biological program. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then the Soviets stopped theirs. But the Soviets didn't really stop theirs. Because they thought we were lying, and we probably were. And so Dr. Alabek defected here because they were doing insane shit. They put like tularemia and smallpox and the nose cones of cruise missiles and ICBMs. Fucking wild shit. Um, and those were going to be used after like the initial nuclear strikes on cities, after like the temperature dropped and it wouldn't denature the proteins and the viruses. You'd then drop those. And it didn't really matter how virulent they were. You just kind of had them, they had to be kind of virulent because there'd be no emergency services. So something that could be contained in a normal civilized society with emergency services would instead, right? I mean, getting the flu now is like you just stay at home, worst comes to worst, go to the doctor. But getting the flu in like the Oregon Trail is like a death sentence. It's the same, right? If I break a leg, I'm going to be in the hospital in 15 minutes break a leg in the middle of Alaska. It's, you know, get right with God. But yeah, I just don't believe we stopped using the VX and Saren. And yeah, same thing. What, what Dr. A Dr. Alabek and doc, doc, Dr. Alabek does now he works and they creates like green solutions, like algae that like digest plastic. He does. He just does the Lord's work. Now his youngest daughter has autism. He, he devotes most of his time to treating autism the man does the Lord's work. He was conscripted, I believe, like at gunpoint to be in biopreparat. He wanted to. Be, he the reason he was chosen is because he was at the top of his class to be to be an MD. 
He wanted to be a doctor. And it was, you don't really say no to the NVK, NVKD, NKVD, who are the fuck, KGB, FSB. That's what, and he defected here. But I mean, yeah, he didn't, I just, I would imagine, and I don't think he'll ever say it. I don't think he says it in his book, Biohazard, great book. Not an audible, but it is on Kindle, so you can have your phone or iPad read it to you. It's like a three-day listen. Uh, all that being said, oh, we didn't, what, we just brought him over here? And then that was it? Oh, no. What? what? Yeah, I got a fucking bridge to sell you. So, what was the point of this solo rant? Paperclip never ended. Of course we have them all, and of course we're, and we know it's, I mean, Fort Dietrich, Fort Belvoir, all the American labs in Ukraine. Yeah, we stopped bioweapon. Yeah, yeah, fuck off. The only reason we'd stop developing chemical weapons and bioweapons is because we've managed to mimic it through either nanobots or some form of electronic warfare that maybe you can massage, was it cymatics, the effect that sound has on matter, like if you play a tune, you can see sand makes a weird fractal thing. I would imagine maybe there's some sort of electromagnetic radiation or wave that you could use to maybe massage molecules in a person's own body to start reproducing a certain genetic code, and thus it would be an organically formed virus. Or if we just have nanobots that can mimic the same thing and or actually start producing the actual thing. That's the only reason we'd stop making... The only reason we'd stopped making sarin gas was to make VX gas. The only reason we stopped with with dirty, inefficient fission bombs was because of more efficient fusion bombs. And the only reason we we started removing the the A-bombs from the nose cones is because we finally got the fusion bombs small enough to put in the nose cones. But the only reason we have less Air Force pilots is because we have drones now. Like, if you have less analysts, it's because the AI is better. Like it's just it's just what it is. It's not not defending it or not. It's just what it is. The idea that we have become less lethal. And I don't even mean this in some rah rah America way. I mean like we we being whatever the dominant power is. It could be China, it could be Russia. It it's the idea that that stopped is so absurd. No, it didn't stop. Why would it have stopped? How fucking stupid could you be? It stopped. What? Yeah, a ban on space weapons. The only reason we would ever join a ban on space weapons is one, to lure our enemies into a false sense of security. Two, make it harder for them to disguise theirs because we already had ones that were disguised and then we could point a, you know, a moral finger at them. Or three, because we realized that we couldn't even produce them yet, so might as well say, well, we can't, no one else can. That's the only reason why. The X-37B, I'm sure it's up there just doing fun experiments and loop-de-loops. Go fuck yourself. <sighs> yeah, it's... Yeah, n- none of that shit stopped. So I guess it would be... Today's 9-11-2022... 
I would imagine before I'm dead, if it happened, we'd get to classify documents about a Vietnam paperclip and an ISIS Al-Qaeda Taliban paperclip, right? And maybe a Wuhan paperclip. Or cyber, I mean, right? Probably bringing back Rus Russian, Iranian, North Korean hack. Yeah, but even then, it's that seems like they're more in the field of defectors. Yeah. We've probably made deals with guys that set up the concentration camps for Uyghurs in China because they've given us intel on something else. I'm sure we are doing that today. I'm sure that's fucking something what kind of what Epstein was. A way to forget weapons. You just get a video of a senator or a prime minister or El Presidente or fucking emperor or whatever the fuck. Fucking a 10-year-old. That's a lot more effective than VX gas. Maybe that's what Epstein was, is we found out and we're like, hey, this is gross, this is disgusting, you work for us now. It probably was something like that. And just like I think it was Dr. Bloma, ju and just when everyone starts to figure out who they are, then you go, all right, you're right, they are evil, and we kick them out. But by then, we've drained them of all the information. It's probably what Epstein was. They probably did some, they did fucking calculus, and were like, yeah, it just kind of outlived his usefulness. Or he was paperclipped to somewhere else. I mean, they, they kidnapped Adolf Eichmann and brought him back to Israel. Put him on trial. Why can't that happen now? So yeah, but that's that's probably the darkest thing. That's how we'll wrap this up. It's probably some form of child sex trafficking. And, and this isn't Pizzagate shit. This isn't me. This is Nick Bryant's book, The Franklin Scandal. Fucking twenty-year BBC veteran investigative journalist. With grand jury documents. They would not just fuck kids. They would. It's not Pizzagate shit. It's not Alex Jones. This is in the book. They're called power meetings. These guys, multiple kids, would report the same thing. These guys would wear these gold rings with like skulls on them, and they dress up with like red cloaks on, kind of like eyes wide shut. And they they had all these cheesy nicknames like Lucky Lucifer and all that. But they would fuck kids in front of other kids, and then like cut their throats. And then they'd even like have like. Like one girl gave birth and they like killed the baby and made the other kids. The point is, is by making it so absurd, when the kids go and tell the stuff, they're just written off as having nightmares. And it's so absurd. You know, the United States is so polarized right now that if a video came out of Trump fucking a kid or Biden fucking a kid, that person's own supporters would be like, okay, he's not perfect. But, you know, in terms of the big picture, we need him. And you, you probably have that today. You probably have that today. So you have to go one step further. You can't just have them fucking a kid. It has to be truly something that's universally taboo. Murder. That's probably what it is. That's probably how this has evolved. Because in a way, we've been putting selection pressures onto being the single worst person you can be. Because if you get captured, you'll be given a job and safe haven and even a national medal and not be hung. So that's probably the end of this it's natural selection it's the giraffe with the longest neck it's the shark with the most efficient fins so it doesn't have to burn calories it's probably that 
it started with VX gas and, and V2 rockets. It's probably ended with some sort of the most vicious blackmail, human trafficking, and murder of kids on camera because that allows you to control state officials. And then you don't need weapons because you control that state official and you can you can control a nation from within. You don't need to have VX gas to counter their VX gas because you can control their president who tells their Department of Defense that we're not going to be making VX gas. And boom, now you're fighting a country with no VX gas. That's what it is. That's probably where this ends. And would that ever be declassified? I don't know. Which And which is kind of a bullshit cop-out because now you can just say, I don't need documents to prove it because they burned all the documents. Well, follow that line of logic. You can say the, the Earth's hollow and that's why JFK was killed. But, I mean, what is a more efficient projection of power? If you get rid of sarin gas just to replace it with VX because it's more efficient. If you get rid of fission bombs to replace them with fusion because it's more efficient. Ken Albeck talked about how they were working with Ebola and then some one of the researchers died of Ebola and then they extracted the Ebola from him and it was a more lethal strain. So they got rid of the old strain and started using the more lethal strain. All these point towards you're going for the most lethal, lightest weight, strongest projection of power. There's nothing stronger than a gigabyte video of a politician fucking a kid. It's the ultimate force projection. <laughs> I start I start the episode talking about nukes and I end with the sacrificial rape and murder of children. You know, maybe there's no one to blame but myself for why I don't have more subscribers. And I do it on 9-11. That's... Ooh. Maybe you need to sit a couple. Brick, why don't you, your champ, why don't you sit the next couple plays out? Yeah, anyway, have a good one.